Josh, you done good. You got me squared away on this thing. We are going live stream tonight, so don't say nothing you don't want the world to know. Amen. If you got a secret, just keep it. Amen. It's good to be in the house of the Lord and how how important. services my wife told me coming down the road I've got I can't do nothing I'm so sore I ain't complaining I'm glad I got feeling so I know I'm sore but she said we need to just sell out and get us apartment I said Lord God just go in and get me a Room at Moody's, honey. If I, if, uh, amen. I like to go out and walk around the house once in a while, don't y'all? I'm proud of our men. They're scattered from the last row to the front. But men ain't much into foot washing as ladies is. And I'm proud of our men that come on 
take part in this. I wish some more of them would. I'm proud of you ladies, too. I'm glad y'all have been babysitters and men setters and all that stuff. So foot washing, uh, it may be a little easier for you. These men are full of pride. I said these men are full of pride, and it does us good to get down and to overcome self, overcome self a little bit and let God in. Amen. Is anybody here for the first communion in foot watch? Amen. And I thought you was here last year. That's good. Boy, I'm proud of you. That's growing. That's growing. And it's about out of style. I know that. It's about out of style. But, neighbor, I'm going to tell you something. Like I said this morning, this is 55 years God has allowed us to do communion and foot washing. Mount Vernon done it in their older days, and then they quit. And I had the privilege to come and help them with their starting back of the communion. And it breaks my heart when we see churches that we used to go sit in, have communion and fellowship with them. Amen. And they've uh, quit. They've just quit. It's serious. It ain't no game. It's serious from the bread to the wine, the body, the blood, down to the very end. When we have fellowship and foot washing, amen. And we go out the door and sing a last song, it's serious. Hmm. I read four or five verses and we'll pray and I'm gonna get right into the service. I ain't gonna I ain't gonna waste a whole lot of time. Janet told me this morning I preached too long again. And I'll uh, I apologize to y'all. I really I promise you from the bottom of my heart, I don't mean to worry you. I don't, I don't want to worry you, but I don't know how to get done sometimes. If one more word would reach somebody's heart. Mm. I love his scripture over in John 6. Justin's going to do the bread and TJ the wine. John 6, I'll read here quickly. I ain't never done nothing quickly. I ain't never used to talk about it. 
48th verse of the 6th chapter. And he said, I am the bread of life. Your fathers did eat manna in the wilderness, and they are dead. This is the bread which cometh down from heaven, that a man may eat thereof and not die. I believe we forgot that. Bread that come down from heaven, and if we'll eat it, we'll not die. And he said again in 51, I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If any man eat of this bread, he shall live forever. And the bread that I will give is my flesh. It takes some envision, it takes some insight to pull this out which I will give for the life of the world, not just for the Baptist or the Methodist or the wholeness, but he said, I will give my, my body, my bread, for the life of the world. Praise his holy name. I will give for the life of the world. The Jews, therefore, strove among themselves, saying, How can this man give his flesh to eat. Neighbor, can I tell you today, there's still several out in the world today that are just like the Jews and saying, how can this man give his flesh to eat? Neighbors, it's spiritual. We know that that bread ain't his body, but we know that it simulates his body. And he told us to do this thing. And he done it with his disciples, mm, glory be unto God. Then said Jesus unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Except ye eat this flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, ye have no life in you. Can I tell you something? We're living in a dead world. If it takes the body and the blood of Jesus, the flesh and the blood of Jesus, amen, to live, we're living in a dead world. We're living in a proud world. I don't know about you, but, but this stirs my heart. If we look at it carnally, this is uh, a nasty. If we look at it carnal, uh, we, we could make many jokes about it. And the world is making many jokes about it. But neighbor, can I tell you something? The last stand, the joke is going to be on them. The joke's going to be on these that are laughing at the few children of God that are still trying to eat the body of Christ, the Word of God, trying to eat it all, trying to blank, drink the blood of Christ, trying to suffer uh, with the Christians, trying to suffer as our Lord did on the cross. It's all right to be made fun of. We are the children of God. We are the winners of this walk of life. Oh, I praise his holy name that he gave me opportunity in 1968, glory to God, to be a part of the eaters of Christ. Amen. The feeding the flesh of Christ and drinking the blood 
of Christ. He gave me opportunity. He visited my house personally. Amen. He personally, he personally wrote my name down in the Lamb's Book of Life. Oh, what an opportunity. I ought to be shouting the house down today. He said, Whoso eateth my flesh and drinketh my blood hath eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. That's a promise of God. Neighbor, can I tell you something? And I, some I went and I prayed with lately, and we were crying and how hard we we're making it. All we can see is how hard our life is. Why can't we see how hard Jesus' life was? He never had a peaceful moment. The whole 30, 33 and a half years that he lived here, they were persecuting him. They were running him. He had to be moved. Yeah, they put him in jail. They talked about him and finally put him on the cross to die that you and I could have life. And he said in the last days, Bill, he's going to come back and get us. Amen. He's going to come back and there won't be no sickness, no sorrow. Hey, I can't be sick many more years. Amen. According to nature, ain't got many more years to grumble and complain. So I'll just start raising my hand and praising God that I have opportunity to meet Jesus. Opportunity to meet Jesus. I had one from Moody's the other day. Asked me if I'd give her cousin my testimony. I said, sure, yeah. It was after a funeral. I'd be glad to give my testimony. I ain't going to give the whole thing. But I was dead. Now I'm alive. And then I've got the promise, not of eternal hell, but I've got the promise of eternal life. I've got the promise. I just read it to us that he's going to come back and get us. Oh, praise his holy name. Don't get discouraged with sickness, with family problems, with troubles. Don't get discouraged. I thought, I thought maybe, and I'm not sure, three, four months of sickness and trouble. And that's awful. It's not easy taking care of sick folks. But think about what some of your neighbors has went through. How they've been shut up in a house before they was rest homes or nursing homes or convenient houses or however you want to say them. How mama and the young'uns took care of grandma and grandpa. Mmm. Now we cry if we have to take a time off from vacation to go to the hospital to visit one of ours. And we got wimpy. And we got soft. My God's bigger enough to cure an alcoholic and a drug addict to forgive sin. He's able to take care of anything else. Praise the name of Jesus. Praise the name of Jesus. This is a great, great opportunity for us. 
to come together. And if you're out of fellowship with your brother or sister, the Bible said in Corinthians to examine ourselves. I won't go through all of that. Maybe they will, but I'll try to not preach the whole book. He said, For whoso eateth my flesh and drinketh my blood hath eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. For my flesh is meat indeed, and my blood is drink indeed. May God plant his word in my mind, in my heart, that I might not sin against him. That I might see the real light of Jesus and what he's done for me. We take this scripture and, and we say, if we do communion, then we'll maybe sleep or be sick or troubled. But neighbor, I'm going to tell you something. It's dangerous to back up on God. It's dangerous to profess that the Lord Jesus Christ saved you and you are a child of God. This table, and that's beautiful for my part, but this do in remembrance of me. I need to get up in the morning, Todd, remember the Lord, and I don't always. I need to remember him through the day when I see the trees are waving and the sun coming up and then a cloudy day and the rain come down. God sent it all in his time. I need to remember who God is. And the only way I got here is through Jesus. It's through Jesus. I'm glad God seen the need that the law wasn't working. And he said, son, I'm going to send you down to the earth. that all these fine ladies can be saved and they can raise their children in a saved household. They can teach them right from wrong, good from evil. Oh, praise his holy name. Praise his holy name. I think instead of prayer request, I believe we'll just leave this as an open invitation to come and make sure everything is all right. And after prayer, when we all get done praying, we'll ask Justin and TJ to come on up and take their seats, and we'll go right on into the service. But I want you to know something. I want you to know something. This is, I know, 49 years that I've been with Mount Vernon in communion and foot washing, and I praise God for it. I praise God for every one of them. We've had smaller numbers. Maybe, I don't know if we've had <clears throat> any bigger numbers or not, but I praise God for every one of them for the opportunity and those that I've seen 
take part in communion and foot washing and went on to be with the Lord, the memories that I have of being with them. I've helped carry some good people, I thought, some good people to their grave. But the Lord said, I'm going to come back and get them. <laughs> Amen. I'm going to come back and get them. So the altar's open. I'm going to get out of the way. The altar's open. and Let's all come and pray. Let's examine ourselves. Make sure there ain't nothing standing in the way. Not just today, but tomorrow and right on down the road. Because Jesus could come back anytime. The altar's open.
the actual definition of communion is intimate fellowship or report. This is intimate fellowship right here. This is as intimate as you can get with the Lord and intimate as we can get with each other, washing each other's feet and taking communion. Um, it's a serious, serious thing, and it's always been one of the, one of the services that I've kind of dreaded and looked forward to at the same time and, and just worried to death I'm going to do something wrong because it's serious. It's not a game. It's, it's very serious. Um, 1 Corinthians 11, we're going to start in verse 17. It says, Now in this that I declare unto you, I praise you not, that ye come together, not for the better, but for the worse. For first of all, when ye come together in the church, I hear that there be divisions among you, and I partly believe it. For there must also be heresies among you, that they which are approved may be made manifest among you. When ye come together, therefore, into one place, this is not to eat the Lord's Supper. For in eating, everyone taketh before other his own supper, and one is hungry, and another is drunken. What, have ye not houses to eat and to drink in, or despise ye the church of God, and shame them that have not? What shall I say to you? Shall I praise you in this? I praise you not. For I have received of the Lord that which also I delivered unto you, that the Lord Jesus, the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he brake it, and said, Take, eat this, my body, which is broken for you, this do in remembrance of me. After the same manner also he took the cup, and when he had supped, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood, this do, you, this do ye as oft as ye drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as ye eat this bread and drink this cup, ye do show the Lord's death till he come. Wherefore, whosoever shall eat this bread and drink this cup of the Lord unworthily shall be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. For he that eateth and drinketh unworthily eateth and drinketh damnation to himself not discerning the Lord's body. For this cause many are weak and sickly among you, and many sleep. For if we would judge ourselves, we should not be judged. But when we are judged, we are chastened of the Lord, that we should not be condemned with the world. Wherefore, my brethren, when ye come together to eat, tarry one for another. And if any man hunger, let him eat at home, that ye come not together unto condemnation. And the rest will I set in order when I come. And you know, that, I know that's a lot, but basically what it's saying here is we're not here to have a feast. We're not here to have a party. This is a very serious, you can eat at home. You should eat at home if you, before you come here if you're hungry. This ain't a feast. It's not time to eat, not time to play. We ain't here to eat and drink just to have a party. This is a very, very serious thing. And then uh, in verse 27 it says, Wherefore, whosoever shall eat this bread and drink of this cup of the Lord unworthily shall be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. I don't want to be guilty of crucifying the Lord because pride stood in my way and I thought I was okay. I thought I could, well, I've done things this week or I've messed up this week, but it'll be all right. Nobody knows. God knows. He knows exactly what I've done, exactly what I've thought, everything I've done this week. He knows whether I'm taking a part of this unworthily or not. He knows whether I'm ready or not. He knows what stands between me and him. He knows exactly what's going on. And if we take part of this unworthily, it's not good. It's not good. And then verse 28 says, But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. For he that eateth and drinketh unworthily, eateth and drinketh damnation to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. That ain't worth it to me. That ain't worth it to me to, 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 to have pride in my heart and my life and think, well, nobody knows. I'll just eat this little piece of bread, drink this cup, and we'll be out of here in a couple of hours, and, and nobody will ever know. That's not Bible. That's not the truth. It says, if anybody take, drink, eateth and drinketh unworthily, eateth and drinketh damnation to himself. That's serious. That's scary. It's not just a game where we can come in here and eat and drink and, and get out of here and, and whenever they start washing feet, we'll leave and, and then go live like we want to live the rest of the week. 
That's not what this is. This is a very serious, this is the body and the blood of Jesus, of Jesus Christ. I know it's not real and I know it's a representation, but think about what he went through so we could sit here today. Think about what, we, what he went through just so we'd have a, a chance to make it from hell, to, be, to escape from hell, to make it to heaven with him one day. Think about what all he went through. Think about everything he went through for the 33 and a half years, just like Bill just said. Think about it for a minute. Everything he went through so we could sit in a Mount Vernon church today and have communion and foot washing. Everything he went through so we could have a chance to escape hell. And here we are. It's a representation of it. He's saying, remember what I did for you. Don't forget the sacrifice. I laid down my life just for you. Don't forget, don't forget what I did for you. It's real easy to go through life and work and do all these things and, and have these houses and cars and all these vehicles and come to church and get in the routine and forget what God did for us and forget everything that Jesus went through so we could escape hell and forget, uh, you know, it, let's see. 28 says, but let a man examine himself and so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. It's a time of self-examination. And just like Bill just said a minute ago, not just for today, not just for tonight, but tomorrow and the next day. And the day after that, examine yourself. We've, we've gotten so comfortable with, well, the Lord ain't come back today, that we just don't make a comeback anymore. We just think, oh, we'll be dead and gone by the time the Lord comes back. What if you die tomorrow? Aneurysm, heart attack, cancer, all these things could be over. Church ain't just a, a gathering place. It's a time to examine ourselves, to make sure we're right with God. So the world sees there's a difference. They need to see that there's life and that we have it right here. It ain't in the world. It's right here. But we've got to examine ourselves and make sure there's nothing between us and God if, they, if we want them to see anything from us. If we want them to know anything's different and see anything from us, we're going to have to be right. We're going to have to be right with God. We can't do what we want to do and then wonder why the world looks like it does. Because the Christians are weak and sickly because, we, because we've eaten and drank unworthily and we've brought damnation to ourselves. We've brought damnation to the church because we think everything's fine. Nobody knows what we've done. We'll, we'll make it by. We'll slide on through. Or half the church just don't show up. Which, granted, this is a pretty good crowd. <coughs> We're going to jump to Hebrews 10. I'm going to try and go as quick as I can. I know when I say that, y'all probably think the same thing when Bill says it. Hebrews 10 and 23, I've always liked these next few verses. I don't know that I've really, really ever caught what comes after this. But 23, it says, Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for he is faithful that promised. And let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works, not forsaking, forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another, and so much the more, as ye see the day approaching. For if we sin willfully after that we have received the knowledge of the truth, there remaineth no more sacrifice for sins. But a certain fearful looking for of judgment and fiery indignation which shall devour the adversaries. He that despised Moses' law died without mercy under two or three witnesses. Of how much sore punishment suppose ye shall he be thought worthy who hath trodden under the foot of, underfoot the Son of God and hath counted the blood of the covenant wherewith he was sanctified, an unholy thing, and hath done despite unto the Spirit of grace. <clears throat> For we know him that has said, Vengeance belongeth unto me, I will recompense, saith the Lord, and again the Lord shall judge his people. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. 
Now, the, the, the main point I wanted to hit was that verse 28. It says, He that despised Moses' law died without mercy under two or three witnesses. Of how much sore punishment suppose ye shall he be thought worthy? So how much worse is our punishment going to be after we've received the knowledge of the truth, after we know that Jesus died for our sins, after we've made a profession of faith and said that we're a Christian, after all these things have took place and we still go do what we want to do, how much worse is our punishment going to be? How much worse is it going to be for them people that despise Moses' law? How much worse is it going to be for us when we've had the grace and mercy of God our whole life and we still think we can get by doing what we want to do? How much worse of a punishment are we going to have? And then 31, it says, This is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of a living God. Our God's alive. He's not just some faraway fantasy person looking over everybody to make us act right. It's not just something our grandparents and parents told us to make us act right. It's a real true thing. And He's a real living God sitting in heaven. Judgment's coming. Judgment's coming. It is a fearful thing. It terrifies me to think I could get up there to judgment and him say, depart from me. I never knew you. Because I thought I could get by and get by and keep doing what I wanted to do and didn't take this time to examine myself and make sure I was right with God and then drink damnation upon myself and continue to go on. How much worse is my punishment going to be? How much worse is it going to be for the people that claim to be Christians and didn't walk the right walk and didn't talk the right talk and just try to look the part and not really be the part and be what they were supposed to be? How much worse is it going to be for us? How much worse is it going to be for this world that's trying to act like the Christians and dying and going to hell every single day? How much worse is it going to be? It's a fearful thing for me to be judged by God. I don't want to look into his eyes and say, depart from me, I never knew you. And me say, well, Lord, I've preached. Well, I've done all these things in your name. He'll say, I never knew you. That terrified, that's what we have to look forward to. I know heaven's sweet and, all, and God is good and Jesus was a sacrifice and all this is good, but judgment terrifies me. We still have to go through the judgment whether we're saved or not. We still have to go through judgment and God's going to look at us with his fiery eyes and judge everything we ever did and everything we didn't do. And that is terrifying. And we have an opportunity right now, like it's already been said, to examine ourselves and make sure we're right with God. And make sure there's nothing between me and him. If there's ever been a doubt, come pray and get, get rid of it. I know doubt's natural, but we can get rid of it. We can pray and beg God and make sure things are right. There's nothing wrong with making sure. There's nothing wrong with being sure that you're right with God. There's nothing wrong with making sure that you are a Christian. There's absolutely nothing wrong with that. But there is something wrong with going through life and trying to act like you are something that you're not and you've never been saved or you have and you walked away from it. There's something wrong with that. Quit trying to act like something you're not and make sure you're right with God. Make sure everything is, was washed away between you and Him. It's not worth it to look at God and Him say, Depart from me, I never knew you. Because pride got in the way and you didn't want to be honest with yourself or honest with the preacher or honest with the church and you thought you'd keep getting by with it. But one day we're going to have to stand in front of God. One day we're going to have to stand in front of a God. And yes, He's just and yes, He's merciful, but sin ain't going to enter in. Just because you came to church and tried to act, act right and be the part, it ain't going to enter in. You must be born again. You must be washed clean and be right with God. It's not worth it just trying, well, I was a pretty good person. I went to church every time the doors was open. That's fine and well, but are you right with God? Do you know that nothing stands between you and God? That's all that matters. I know this is communion. I know this is a, a great time to remember the, what the Lord's done for us, but I don't want to trod over his, over his sacrifice. I don't, want to, I don't want to trample his sacrifice and forget it. I don't want to forget. I don't want my punishment to be worse because I just forgot the Lord's sacrifice. I don't want to forget it. And we'll jump to John 6. We can get in the good part now. Y'all are free and clear.
We'll start in verse 32. It says, Then Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Moses gave you not that bread from heaven, but my Father giveth you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he which cometh down from heaven and giveth life unto the world. Then they said unto him, Lord, evermore give us this bread. And Jesus said unto them, I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger, and he that believeth on me shall never thirst. But I said unto you that ye have also seen me, and believe not. All that the Father giveth me shall come to me, and him that cometh to me I will in no wise cast out. Uh, Bill was talking about it a couple weeks ago, and it just kind of piqued my interest. Uh, He's talking about he went to Walmart. <coughs> and I've, we bought this bread for seven years, I guess. And I've never noticed it. Right there on the front, it does say, bake with love. He wasn't kidding. He was telling us the truth. And it says, bake with love. And he was talking about that a couple weeks ago. And, you know, I knew communion was coming up. And I had that sneaky feeling that me and TJ was going to end up preaching communion. And, and uh that's just been on my heart ever since Bill brought it up. Was he was talking about, you know, he was he was happy that Walmart was allowing love back in, how we needed love. And and this loaf of bread says bake with love, but I guarantee you there's only maybe two hands that touched it, and that was just to put it in the plastic and wrap it up and ship it. This bed this bread was not baked with love, I guarantee it. Come from Walmart and there's eighty million of them and they couldn't care less where it went or if it was molded, they couldn't care less about this bread. They just glad that somebody's buying it. But now Jesus said he's the bread of life. This bread is it's good, it fills me up for a couple hours, whatever. That's all fine and well, but it's no good for my soul. It does absolutely no good for my soul. I'm glad I have it, and I'm glad it's available, but it says baked with love. And I thought, but there's a, there's a true bread, there's a bread of life that was truly baked with love that we can't comprehend, we can't imagine the things he went through, we can't imagine all the things he went through, and he, he, he went just for you and I, just so he could be the bread of life, just because he loved us. Now, that's true love. That, that loaf of bread right there wasn't baked with love. They can put that on there all they want to, but it wasn't baked with love. It was baked with greed. But Jesus said he was the bread of life. And just like Bill read, he, he's the bread of life, and without him we have absolutely nothing. And you want to talk about baked with love. Look right there. Beaten, mocked, whipped, flesh ripped off of his mind. His own mama didn't even recognize him. I can't even imagine me standing up, and my, mom, my own mama not even knowing who I am. Not even recognizing me. Not even knowing who I was. He went through so much we can't even fathom. We can watch the movies all we want to watch, and we can look at pictures and, and think about it all we want to. But, man, you want to talk about love. You want to talk about a loaf of bread baked with love, and that's the bread of life. That's good for your soul and, and make, helps you make it. When you get in those dark places and you're doubting yourself and you're doubting if you're going to make it, and, and we get in them places and we worry about ourselves and worry about what's going to happen, then, then he says... I'm right here. That's love that we can't even imagine. Love that we can't even fathom. And he said, I am that bread of life. I give my body for you. All you got to do is take it. All you got to do is be willing to accept it. He went through so much that we can't even fathom. We can't wrap our minds around everything that Jesus went through just so we could have an escape from hell. Romans 5, 8, I've been stuck on it lately. It says, for God committed his love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. 
He knew exactly who Bill Sperlin was April 1st, 1968. He knew exactly who I was April 16th, 2011. But he still went and died for me. And he died for you. And he, took, he went through so much. That's why we're here tonight. We're here to remember what he did for us. Remember the sacrifice. It's a serious thing. I want to make sure that we're right with God. Man, it's such a sweet sacrifice. A love we can't even fathom because it is his own flesh and blood is what saved us from hell. To give us an opportunity to make it to heaven. His own flesh and blood. His body. Things he went through. He was the living Messiah. The Savior. And they crucified him. And I know it had to happen for us to be able to have a sacrifice and make it to heaven. But man, he was still a man. He was still just like you and me. And he went through all that because he loved us. I'm glad I have that bread. But man, that bread of life is so much better. So much better. So much better than that junk you can get from Walmart. It's truly baked with love. It's got so much more meaning than bread you can go buy from the store. The bread of life who is Jesus Christ. The best thing we could ever ask for. He's worth it all. Everything we've ever done, he's worth it all. He is the sacrifice and he is sufficient. All we got to do is be willing to take it. All we got to do is be willing to accept it. It's there. It's always been there and always will be there. And he's always going to love us. He's always going to love us. And he's baked with love. And I know it's a communion, but make sure you're right with God. Make sure that there's nothing standing between you and him. And that bread will always be there. That bread of life and that love will always be there to carry us through. I'm sure Bill's been in some dark places lately. I'm sure, I know his voice, I, I get aggravated with myself and I can talk just fine. But I'm sure his voice and the things of the church, I'm sure it's been bringing him down. He's been in some dark places. But then he'll get up here and preach for a little while and we can feel him getting excited. And that's that little piece of love that the Lord just, that little piece of bread the Lord just dropped down and give to him for a little while. It's love we can't even imagine. When Jesus steps in, nothing else matters. Nothing else matters if Jesus steps in. Go ahead and bless the bread. Lord, just thank you for the service. Thank you for
ask us to. It's hot in here. And uh, the Lord had the blood on my heart already, and he had the bread on Justin's heart. But uh, the Lord knew what we needed. Um, thinking about the blood or the wine, um, that's what the, the wine represents is the blood. There's a whole lot that you can say about the blood. There's a whole lot that you could say throughout the book about the blood and what the blood means. And um, while I was thinking about it, and I already had this on my heart. Um, is that too loud? I had this on my heart, but uh, in order to understand the significance of the blood, we got to understand why we need the blood. And this is totally different than I've ever heard um, the blood brought out before, but if you got your Bible, I'll be in Genesis chapter 3. That's what the Lord's laid on our heart. I'm going to try not to be before you long. I won't lie to you like Justin did. <laughs> I thank God I'm saved. I thank God that the, the blood's been applied to my life, and I know for sure. You know, if you've been saved, you know for sure. If you've been saved, if you've been washed in the blood, you'll know it. You can't be saved and not know it. There's no way that you could ever get born again and not know that it happened and when it happened and how it happened. You'll know. You'll know that the Lord's done something. You'll know that he's made the change. But in Genesis chapter 3, we'll start there at verse number 6. <clears throat> and when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was pleasant to the eyes and a tree to be desired to make one wise, she took of the fruit thereof and did eat and gave also unto her husband with her and he did eat. And the eyes of them both were opened, and they knew that they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves aprons. And they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God amongst the trees of the garden. And the Lord God called unto Adam and said unto them, Where art thou? So the Lord has already came and he's told Adam that they can eat of every fruit of the tree in the garden except for the, truth, uh, the fruit of the tree of knowledge and good and evil. And we've all heard this story. I mean, if you've been in church any length of time, you've, you know this story and you know where I'm going with this probably. But uh, uh, th that was the one fruit that they told them not to eat of. They only had one sin. You know, we've got a whole lot of sins in our day because sin was brought into the world. But... The Lord told them not to eat of this one fruit. And before this, they was connected with God. And because they ate of the fruit, then they were separated from God. And uh, the blood, the whole point in the blood is to reconcile us with God. But um, I, what I liked here in verse number 9, it said, uh, And the Lord God called unto Adam and said, Where art thou? So from the very moment that man fell from grace, that man was separated from God, God began to pursue man. From the very moment that they was no longer connected with him, he came to the garden and was calling out to them. Well, that excited me. God pursued man because God was separated from man and God still loved man. He began to pursue man. So in, from the very start, he pursued man. He said, where art thou? And you know, today he's still pursuing us. He still loves us. He still desires to be 
reconciled with us. And if we're not reconciled with God and we've never been washed in the blood and born again, He desires to have you. He desires for you to be saved and for you to be reconciled with Him. He's calling out to you tonight, uh, where art thou? Where art thou? You know, it's not just for some. It's for all. It's for whosoever will. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And I believe he didn't just call out to Adam and just leave off because she's the one that sinned. He called out to them both. And if you're here and you're lost, he wants to save you. He wants to save you. And if you're here and you're backslid, and as he read in Hebrews 10, that you've trampled over the blood of Jesus, you've turned away, you've sinned willfully, knowing the truth, if that's you, he's calling out to you tonight. He's calling out to you tonight. So from the very beginning, from the fall of man, God has pursued man. God has pursued man. Look with me there. We won't read all of this, but you know the story. Um, the, 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 uh, after they ate of the, uh, the fruit, then they were, that the sin curse came on mankind, and that's why we're under the sin curse today. Every man born of woman, every man with, born of man's seed has fell under the sin curse. But if we look there in verse 21, it said, Unto Adam also... And to his wife did the Lord God make coats of skin and clothe them. So back up there in uh, verse number 7, it said that after Adam and Eve took of the fruit, that they knew they were naked, so they knew that they had sinned, and they tried to cover themselves with fig leaves. But then in verse 21, after uh, the Lord had seen them, and he began to pursue them and call out to them and ask where they were, then he, uh, the Lord God made coats of skin and clothed them. Well, a coat of skin had to come from an animal. So God went and killed an animal himself to clothe Adam and Eve, to cover up their nakedness. So from the very beginning, from the very first fall of man, it took the blood. It took the blood. God provided the blood in order to cover them. The fig leaves wasn't enough. They worked and they put fig leaves together and they tried to cover themselves, but their works was not enough. The works is not enough to cover us here tonight. It takes the blood. It takes the wine that we're here to, to, to drink and to remember. It takes the blood. But from the very beginning, from the very beginning in the garden, it took the blood. And God provided the blood. So not only did God pursue them, but He provided. And tonight, if He's pursuing you, He will make a way. It's not by your works. It's not by anything that you've done or that you can do. You can't sew fig leaves together and get into the gate. It takes the blood of the Lamb. It takes the blood of the Lamb. And He has provided the blood. He's provided the blood here for us tonight if you look back with me look in verse number 15 this is what I like right here and I will put enmity between thee and the woman and between thy seed and her seed what this is um, what this is referencing is that enmity between uh, thee and the woman and between thy seed and her seed is Satan brought sin into the world through Eve through the woman and his seed is sin Satan's seed is sin. And he said that he would bring enmity, enmity between thee and the woman and between thy seed and her seed. What he's talking about is Jesus being born of the Virgin Mary. So from the very beginning here, from the very start of the sin curse, God was providing a way for us to escape sin. He was predicting that Jesus would be born. He had a plan. It wasn't that they didn't know what was going to happen. Jesus knew what was going to happen. The Lord knew what was going to happen. But he provided a plan. Satan brought sin into the world through a woman. And uh, the Lord, let's see, I wrote it down here. And the Lord used the Virgin Mary 
to bring the Savior into the world. So he put enmity between thee and the woman, between thy seed and her seed. And he said, And it shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. That bruise in thy head is talking about the head of Satan. I, uh, I wrote this quote down. This is a Jimmy Swaggered quote. But um, to, bruise, to bruise means to crush. That, the, the way this word is used here means to crush. And he said that it shall bruise his head. That's to bruise the head of Satan. To bruise the head of the serpent. And if you crush the head of a snake, he can no longer bite. If you crush the head of a snake, he can no longer bite. See, the serpent in the garden bit them. The sin curse bit them through the serpent. But because of Jesus, that uh, thou shalt bruise his heel. That's Jesus coming and bleeding and dying on an old rugged cross for us. He done away with the sin curse. He crushed the head of Satan. The sin no longer has a bite anymore. If the blood's been applied, there is no more bite of the sin curse. He'll bruise his head. So the Lord pursued us. He provided and he had a plan all the way from the beginning. All the way in Genesis, he had a plan to redeem us and the plan was Jesus. It wasn't that he didn't have a plan or that he didn't know what was going to happen, but the blood was the plan. The wine was the plan. What we're here to remember tonight was the plan. He had a plan from the very beginning. Hebrews 9.22 And almost all things are by the law purged with blood and without the shedding of blood there is no remission. In order for them to be covered in the garden God shed blood. He provided the sacrifice but now He's provided the sacrifice in Jesus and all we have to do is take it to Him and He'll cover it with His blood. 1 John 2 and 2 And He is the propitiation for our sins and not for ours only but also the sins of the whole world. It ain't just for the elect. It's not just for a few. It's not just for the church people or the man or the woman. It's for all. Said he, but also for the sins of the whole world. That's for everybody. Amen. We're here to remember the blood. We're here to remember the wine. When we take of this, remember what Jesus has done. Remember what the Lord done. From the very beginning in the garden, he provided the blood. He provided the sacrifice. It took the blood all the way through. But now he's provided the ultimate sacrifice, the one that can take away our sin, the propitiation for our sin.
all sitting there. Three years ago, we had a massive heart attack in June. I believe it was the 19th of June. And I saw a picture on Facebook, one of them remembering things. They come up and I had a pacemaker in my arm and a sling, but able to come on to communion and foot washing. And that's a blessing. And I can't talk tonight, but my arm ain't in a sling. So I praise God. Praise God for the word. We read there this morning in Luke 3. He said, Adam was the son of God. And the Bible teaches us that we are the sons of God. And you get to reading the lineage, and it just gets boring because I can't pronounce it. The names, I can't say them all. But when it gets down to Bill, is the son of God. I can pronounce Bill. I can remember that. And what a joy it is. This time while I was sitting there, ever so often, the Methodist done Communion, they didn't do foot washing, but they would do communion. They'd bring in a little sealed cup, and they could bring it into prison. And there's a little wafer sealed on top of that cup. And I just never, I never felt led to do communion if I couldn't do foot washing. So I just, I just let it go. But to give you my thoughts, it examine yourself. But you remember it well. We begin to ask what happened to the trustee that used to be out there doing this stuff. Well, they caught him with, I forgot, three, I think. Three of the little communion. What a small thing. But they busted him going back through the gate. Two or three little wine, little little communion cups, no bigger than what we had there. Well, why would a man take a chance on being busted, leave his job as the chaplain chapel over one little cracker and one little wafer? For my part, we done this in remembrance of Jesus. I wouldn't want no more of it. But what I'm saying to you, the mentality of mankind today, and we're like a boy in prison. There ain't no difference in us out here. John 13, 4 and 5, and I'm just going to take a, a minute and get out of the way. The fourth verse said, he rises from supper and he laid aside his garments and he took a towel and he girded himself and then he poured water unto a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and wiped them with the towel 
where they, he was girded. Jump down to 12. And he said, after he had washed their feet, and had taken his garment and was set down again, he said unto them, Know you what I have done unto you. That's my thought. Know you what I have done unto you. You call me Master and Lord, and you say, Well, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and Master, have washed your feet, listen to this, have washed your feet. Can you hear me? Have washed your feet. Ye also ought to wash one another's feet. Are we better than Jesus? You all ain't. You've come to do the part. But we've let Satan talk us out. we got empty seats that we've let Satan talk us out of the blessings of God. For I have given you an example. Christ Jesus said, I've given you an example that you should do as I have done unto you. He told his 12 disciples, the 12 was there. He washed the feet. I build upon the solid rock my pathway to Jesus is soon not forgot the stairway is there for others to walk the stairway to heaven upon the solid rock
one thing It breathes the best thing If I had only one word Jesus would be heard If I had but one breath I'd use it to praise Him with For He is really all that matters When this life is over Across death's cold waters We'll see more clearly We'll see that really He's it If this were my last day I'd shout Jesus all the way If this were my last mile I'd spend it praising Him a while If I had but one breath I'd use it to praise Him Like he did, I wouldn't be If he hadn't saved me I'd suffer through eternity If I had but one breath I'd use it to praise him with For he is really all that matters When this life is over We cross death's cold waters We'll see more clearly We'll see that really Three. 
It seems a whole world forgets me and everything's wrong. All I need for courage is to whisper, thank God for my Christian And my 
my barge He will safely keep And he leads me gently on through this world below He's a real friend to me, oh, I love him so And oh, I want to see him look upon his face There to sing forever of saving grace On the streets of glory, let me lift my voice Cares on past, home at last, ever to rejoice Cares on past, home at last, ever to rejoice
anybody that's been overlooked, anybody that ain't had their feet washed. Has there been anybody that hadn't had their feet washed? That's changed their mind or wants to wash somebody else's? Melody's car's got a good wash job out there. Yeah. Uh, I believe according to the Bible, they said they sung a song and they went out. Y'all just keep washing feet. And if anybody changes their mind, just give it a holler. I'm going to hush. sent Moses down to see King Pharaoh, told him to loose my people and let them go. They were all burdened down with trouble and doubt. My God sent Moses and he led them out. My Lord will send the Moses to lead you out. If you will trust him as you wonder about, if you are burdened trouble and doubt. My Lord will send the Moses to lead you out. We pilgrims now have started over the way to that fair land of rest and eternal day. When those are failing, brother, pray on and shout. My Lord will send the Moses to lead you out. My Lord will send the Moses to lead you out. If you will trust him as you wonder about. If you are burdened down with trouble and doubt. My Lord will send the Moses to lead you out. My Lord will send the Moses to lead you 
Praise God for all that come out, all that's been done tonight. I don't think we need to dismiss, but uh, I had a deep, deep thought about our children. Some of our children are the only one in their class that's ever washed feet. Amen. They're unique. They're different. And if we don't continue, amen, amen, I can't imagine me at 12 years old, washing somebody's feet. Hey, I wasn't saved. I didn't have it. But I praise God for these young ones. Amen. Appreciate all the tip. Clean up and get it all together. The deacons getting it together. We won't dismiss. I'll just, I'll just shut up, and you're ready to go when you get ready. Amen. Love you, Lord's will. See you Wednesday night. And pray for these that couldn't come tonight. Uh, Jamie was sick, and I know his wife, uh, Chris, wanted to get here and said she didn't get off till 7. So just pray. I know there's others wanted to be here, and it didn't work. Love you. Appreciate you.